A lot of times we want God to show us everything. Show us how this part goes here. Show me all the details. God says, when you get back in faith, I'll show you the next elevation point. I don't show you more than you need to know right now. You keep saying, ah, but Lord, you showed me vision. Yeah, I know I showed you vision, but you got to walk through these steps. And you're not going to see the next step until you elevate in your area of faith. What am I doing with what I know? Do, what am I doing with what he last told me? Have I maximized in this step? of the training center of course is the training center is a church family commissioned to evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ ministering to the whole man spirit soul and body through the ministry of the word with practical applications we train believers they become mature bibliocentric leaders equipped to minister the heart of God to their generation thereby living intentional lives of purpose and uh, one of the things I want to admonish you and all that you know, it is incumbent upon you to place a value on church. It's incumbent upon you to place a value on church. There are so many things today that are seeking your attention. There are so many things that are seeking uh, for you to, to, to move here, go there, all these kind of things. And there's always going to be that in regards to church. So you need to place a value on coming and being a part of church. And please understand that that yes, thank God for streaming. It's a wonderful thing, and I believe, particularly for our ministry, that is something that God is definitely calling us to do more of. But if you're able to get in the house, then we want you to come be a part of church. Bring yourself, your faith, into this water as that corporate anointing would flow if you would come and be a part of the church that God has assigned you to be a part of. So we want to admonish you to also and continue to come to church. Amen. All right, then just a little pastoral <clears throat> note here. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, once again, turn with me to first Timothy chapter number six, first Timothy chapter number six. We're going to begin at verse number nine. We have been ministering for the last little while from the subject of essentially faith refreshers. Faith refreshers. I believe for the times that we're in and for the times that are ahead of us, that one of the things that God instructed for us to do right now in this season is to minister on just refreshing the body in regards to the area of faith. Because sometimes you can look at the issues that take place in our world and you start thinking that they are greater, they are bigger, they are mightier than your God. And that is a fallacy. When I start hearing Christians start to talk and sound just like the world, we have a problem. Because we've been meditating more perhaps on the things of the world than on the word of God. Now everybody likes to say, oh Reverend, I'm, I'm meditating on the word of God, I'm doing my part. But no, in reality, if you check what you are spending time with, that's what you've been meditating on. What you've been meditating on is what comes out of your heart. And what comes out of your heart manifests in your life. So you got to start looking at what am I seeing in my life? Is it what I believe for? What am I seeing in my life? Is it the thing that I really want in my life? 
And if it's not, is it because of the fact I've been speaking what I've been meditating and I've been meditating on the wrong thing? And so we got to make sure that we have the correct order in regards to our very lives. Because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Not might. It's a possibility. It's a suggestion. It's a faith movement, if you will. It's a season of faith. No, he says that the just shall live by faith. And we live every day, 365 days a year, 24-7. So if he says the just shall live by faith, then there must be an expectation that those that have been justified by the blood of Jesus have a lifestyle of conformity to living in and amongst faith. And so it becomes vitally important that we have these areas in these times where we refresh in these areas of faith. Amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 12, we're going to do a little bit of review before we take off into today's teaching. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 9 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. I'm reading out the New Living Translation of the Bible. The New Living Translation, you're okay. He says, people that long to be rich fall into temptations and, and are trapped by many foolish and harmful things or harmful desires. Why is that the case? Because you've elevated money over God. Elevating anything over God is a form of idolatry, whether it's money, whether it's politics, whether it's anything that you place above almighty God. He says, particularly if you long to be rich and, and you are running after that, you are going to fall into harmful destruction or ruin. That's going to be a whole problem. Verse number 10, he says, then for the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. Not that money in and of itself is evil. Money doesn't have any intrinsic nature to it. It's all based on whether or not you are a righteous person that holds it or you are not. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. He says, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many swords. He says, by you craving and longing and having a wrong relationship with money, you have gotten to a place in your life where you're piercing yourself. He distinctly is talking, Paul is saying this to Timothy, his young ministerial protege. And he's saying to this young preacher, be careful in your relationship with money. And I want to admonish you this morning to be careful with your relationship with money. That you don't begin to see money as being more mighty than God. That you have a wrong relationship with money. And see, nobody will go around and say, I love money. But your heart will be displayed in your mouth and your actions will follow. Nobody goes around, I love money. No, but, but everything, your values essentially is what he's talking about. Have I placed a higher value on money than God? Because money sometimes can make you do stuff that God can't. You say, well, I can't get to church at 930, but your work says, I want you here at 8, you ain't got a problem. Because money says, get your hind parts up, 
set your alarm, do what you need to do so that you can be there because you have a value on me. God says, I want you to get up on Sunday morning. I want you to set your alarm. I want you to be here on time. You say, that's too much, God. And God's looking at you and saying, wait a minute now. Who's Lord? Is it really me or is it the money? You say, I'm your all, I'm your everything and everything, but, but, but you don't actually have corresponding actions to the faith that you say that you have. Verse number 11, he says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. And I want to submit that to every member and partner of this ministry. You, oh, fill in the blank, are a man or a woman of God. So he says, so run from all these evil things. And he doesn't just stop by saying, run away from this stuff and don't tell you what you should pursue. If you don't, you, God, don't want me to follow or pursue after money, then what should I be pursuing? You say, well, follow after God. Well, what does that mean? Thank you, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by defining what that actually means. He says, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Pursue. That means you should be going after these items. Well, what is righteousness? Right standing with God. That my heart's desire is I want to be right with God. I don't want to do the religious stuff. I want to be in righteousness and right standing with you, my heavenly father. He says a godly life. What is a godly life? It is essentially agreement. God, what you say, I agree with that. Where you say to go, I agree with that. How you say to live, I agree with that. Agreement is essentially what holiness is. And then he says faith. This word faith comes from, of course, the Greek word pistis, which literally means conviction. Conviction of your belief as a lifestyle. He says love, the word love there comes from a Greek word agape, which means unconditional love, which means I'm not a person that's keeping an enemy's list. I'm pursuing becoming more and more like you, Jesus, which means that, yes, even when people do me wrong, I choose to do them right. Jesus, you illustrate to me that in the midst of you being crucified on the cross, you, li you, 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 you lift up your voice and you say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If it had been me on the cross, maybe I'd have said, get them, God, get them, get them. But to be more like Jesus, that means having an unconditional love. My love is limitless with where people are concerned. He says to pursue perseverance. Well, what is perseverance? It's patience. It's endurance. It's patience. It's endurance. Dare I say it's an area of faithfulness. God, you can trust me. Where you say for me to go? What you say for me to do? I am a person that endures. And then he says to pursue gentleness, which is this word also meekness or humility gentleness that means sometimes yeah i humble myself intentionally i humble myself before you god intentionally even amongst people i humble myself i take the place of humility instead of taking the place of putting myself first then he says verse number 12 fight the good fight of faith or the um, New Living Translation says, fight the good fight for true faith. He says, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. The King James, of course, says, fight the good fight of faith. 
And I submit to you the reason why he says fight the good fight of faith is because in order to pursue those things that we just mentioned a second ago, it's going to require that you do it by faith. In order to elevate God over money in your life, it's going to require that you walk by faith. In order to do the assignment that God has for you, it's going to require that you fight this good fight of faith. Now, why do you say fight? Because there is a resistance to you doing what God has assigned for you. There is a resistance to pursuing righteousness. There is a resistance to pursuing uh, endurance. There is a resistance to walking in this area of agape love. And it's going to require that, yes, you do resist the temptation not with God's way. To fight the good fight of faith. And we looked at it on Thursday night that where he talks about fighting the good fight of faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about standing in the armor of God. And I submit to you, a lot of people are trying to fight the devil when we, God has only indicated in the New Testament that we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. The fight of faith. The fight to stand in the victory that God has already won for you. This is the reason why we don't have to fight the devil because God says, I already see you as victorious now. And the fight is for you to stay in victory, not fighting to get victory. In other words, God's saying you are fighting from a victorious stance. And if you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, he says, fight the good fight of faith, which means fight from the position of a winner's, winner's circle instead of trying to fight to get into the winner's circle. He's already declared you the winner. He says fight, and that's what makes the fight good because the fight is indeed fixed. I already win. The question is, do you believe that? Now, we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. Let's look at that again. As we've been defining faith, Hebrews 11 and verse number one. And I'm slowing down a little bit this morning on purpose. <laughs> Hebrews 11 and verse number one, it says, now faith is, and we've said that now faith always is. If I am saying I believe, I believe right now that I receive what God has for me. I believe the promise in concerning that thing that I'm believing God for. I'm believing now that it's active. It's alive. It's always in the present tense. If you say that I, I don't believe, or if you're saying something like, um, uh, help me here. If you use the term, I see that. God's going to do, that means that God hasn't done it which means you're not in faith. God's going to move this way. That means you believe that God hasn't moved that way, which means it's not present tense. When you are in faith, you believe that God's moving before you see it, and that's what your mouth agrees with. You say, well, I see everything in the natural. Nothing seems to agree with what I say I believe. Well, that's the difference between faith. Faith says, I believe that I receive it done now before manifestation. God's not going to. He's already done it because I believe I received it. And then you're back in faith. If he's going to do it, then you're not in faith because then your faith is not present tense. It's future tense. So getting the right tense in regards to where your faith is becomes important because he says now faith is. So when I believe that I receive something from God, I believe that it's active and I believe I receive it now before I can touch it, taste it, smell it, or feel it. That put, puts faith back in its proper tense. 
You say, well, that doesn't make sense. No, it makes faith. I believe I receive. That's one of the reasons why when where our church is concerned, you're not going to hear me say we are a small church. You're going to hear me say we are a large church. But we are right now manifestly are believing for this. Then there will be a day when I'll say that we're not believing to be a large church because we have manifestation. We do everything by faith. Our mouth agrees with what we believe God has done. I believe right now there are members a part of this church. They just haven't gotten here yet. That's why I'm believing God some of these neighborhoods that are going up in this community. I thank you, God, for the members of the training center coming on in here. Thank you, Lord, for industries moving to this area because the members got to get here in the name of Jesus. I know and I believe God has already done it right now before I see anything. That's where faith is. Faith is always in the now. It's always present tense. It's never future tense because then it wouldn't be now. Faith, he says, again, is the substance of things hoped for. He says the evidence of things not seen, indicating to us that faith has a composition. Hope, hope, and evidence. Hope and evidence. If you have hope and you don't have evidence, you don't have faith. If I have evidence but I don't hope for nothing, then I still don't have faith. It has to have both of these components. Now, we've also indicated, if you look, if you will, over to James. Let's go back. Oh, let's go to James chapter number two and verse number 17. James chapter two and verse number 17 out of the New Living Translation says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does or if it does, if it, if it does not have works, is dead. It's inactive. James 1 and verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For it if, for if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. In other words, you're beholding yourself in, in the mirror, and you're not making any changes. So James indicates to us another component in regards to faith. Faith, Hebrew says, is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. James illustrates to us that there is one more component in regards to faith. That faith is hope, faith is evidence, but faith is also actions or corresponding actions. So once again, faith is a composite. It is a composition of hope. Yes, evidence, mm-hmm, but you got to do something. You got to have corresponding actions. So any part of this that is, is absent in regards to what you are defining as faith is not faith, according to the Bible. Now, how does this practically look? So I believe that God wants to prosper me. He wants to take care of my family. I believe that. The next thing I do is I get evidence from the word of God concerning him prospering me. That's one of the reasons a few minutes ago we sung uh, the song, The Seed of Abraham. Because we are the seed of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham operates on your life. That's evidence that shows us that God wants to prosper you. Which 
facilitates the hope that I already started with. So now I have hope that God wants to take care of me financially. Now I find evidence that God wants to take care of me. And then what should I do? Begin putting it in my applications. If he said to begin to build a building or, do, or to build this program or build these things, I take corresponding steps that correspond with what I say I believe. It's one thing for you to say, I believe God, and then be sitting there having a churchy feeling. It's another thing to do what you know to do. So, yeah, I don't know how all these individual pieces are going to go together, but sometimes you got to look at what do you know to do. What is the area I know? I don't know how this works. I don't know how that works, but I do know how this works. And this right here, God, me being faithful doing that. And doing it with excellence and expanding on that and expanding on this and learning more about this. And one of the things that begins to happen is when you begin to work on that seed, it begins to grow. I was listening to a commentator uh, last night talk about the demise of, of a network. And he was talking about it from the business standpoint. And as, as I was listening to it, I heard the spiritual standpoint that you should never despise the day of small beginnings. You might not have anything in your hand but seed. And you're looking at this seed saying, but I see a tree. That's what you showed me, God, is a tree. He says, yes, and that's why I gave you the seed. And you take the seed and you don't plant it, you don't do anything with it, you don't maximize in what you have. You say, this is not the tree, oh God, that you showed me. And you throw your seed out. Then God says, that's the reason why you don't have any growth. Because you're despising the smallness of where you are. Are you the best on the level that you are? Are you, uh, have you maximized this step that you're on? It should be in your life that you get so big on this step, the elevation begins to happen. That God says, I'm going to elevate you to the next step because you can't stay on this step anymore. But most people are saying, God, give me step five. But you haven't maximized step one yet because you're so busy looking at what somebody else has. Faithfulness, therefore, becomes a complete part in regards to this area of walking and living by faith. And so we said on last week, what does it mean? Why is faithfulness so important? Number one, we said it's because you can't be a faithful person that's double-minded. One of the things that God first begins to do in our life is he begins to get the double-mindedness out of you. That you are single, that I'm going after this. I have a single vision. You know, I've seen in, in, in my own life as well, some different people, and I'm thinking of particularly maybe a couple that I've known or a couple here. You know, man, they got great ideas. They, we can do this business. We can do that business. In six months, they do this business, and it does well. But then they cut, and they shut that business down, and they say, but we can go do this business, and we do that well. And then we shut it down. They say, but we can do this. And then so they jump from this place to that place to that place to this place. And they never gain ground. And I've seen this, and I'm like, God, what's going on? But you seem to be a prosper them. And one of the things I've seen is because what they like to do is move based on their feelings, not based on assignment. A lot of times, you might be gifted to do something, and you can prosper at it. But is it the assignment that God gave you? Did he send you there? Did he send you to start that? 
And if he sends you to start that just because another opportunity shows up, have you prayed about that opportunity that shows up? Or did he tell you stay where you are and be faithful at that? Don't jump over to this other thing because it shows up. Don't assume because an opportunity shows up, that's God. Be moved by what he says, by what you see. Sounds like faith again, doesn't it? One of the things that faithfulness does is it moves you out from being double-minded. It gives you, you have to choose a path and stick with it and stick with it and stick with it, which means it's going to get you away from this idea of this microwave living that we want to live by. We want it now. Give it to me now, God. Now. God said, no, not now. Because I got to see that you're faithful. Are you consistent? You going to be there tomorrow? You going to be there the next day? Number two, faithfulness, we said, is a blessing to other people because you're consistent. Number three, we said faithfulness is discipleship requires that you walk and operate by faithfulness. We said faithfulness grants you confidence in prayer. And then we said faithfulness is, or God protects the faithfulness. And the biggest area is that faithfulness is not for God, but is in fact for you. Faithfulness is not for God, it's for you. Now I want you to notice something here. Let's turn, if you will, back to Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter number 12. Faithfulness is not for God, is for you. If the just shall live by faith, the just shall live by faith. Now you would think that this is a God thing. No, God is not, he doesn't have any, any inconsistencies in regards to who he is. But the issue is you do. God knows he has confidence in his ability. God has confidence in his character. The question is, do you? Do you believe that God keeps his word? Do you believe that God will do what he said he'll do? And so faithfulness allows proof in your life that yes, God can take care of you where that's concerned. I was meditating a little bit this morning in regards to where our church has, has been. I remember Sunday mornings, I had to get up early to get over to stores, to get the equipment, to get over to Irwin Center so that we can get set up to have church. And then I looked this morning, I said, Lord, all we got to do is come over here, flip lights and test equipment. What a blessing. Well, God knew that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. So he says, I'm going to order faithfulness here so that you can have an appreciation there. One of the reasons why people are so ungrateful for what they have is because they never went through the process to get it. It's something about when you build something yourself. It's something when you go through the steps. You're grateful for every elevation that you have. Everything that God, it wouldn't, if it had not been for you, we wouldn't have this. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this. It might not be the car I want, but thank you, God, I'm driving because I used to have to take the bus. It might not be the house that I want right now. Thank you, God, for the house I have because it's bigger than the apartment I used to live in. Gratefulness is something that you learn when you go through the correct process. Side journey. Genesis chapter 22, you should have it by now. We looked at this on last week. It says, and he said, lay not, this is God speaking, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. Now he says, for now I know that thou fear of God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. He's talking about Abraham. Abraham, as we said before, had been walking with God 40 years at least before God said, now I know. 
Now I know that thou fear God. Why, God, didn't you say this at level 85? Why didn't you say this at 105? Because it takes some time before God knows that you will be a person that really fears him. It's not microwave. The just shall live by faith. So I've introduced these areas, and I'm going to introduce them again this morning, that we've defined accurately that faith is hope, faith is evidence, Faith is actions. But now faith has characteristics. There are certain characteristics in regards to walking and living by faith. Faith, I submit to you, characteristics are that faith is a lifestyle. It is a relationship. It's a lifestyle. It's a journey. It's a mindset. It's a spiritual force. Faith is a relationship. It's a lifestyle. It's a journey, a mindset. It is a spiritual force. Now, <clears throat> turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter number 17. Let's look at this. This is a teaching church, so we're going to teach. Genesis chapter number 17. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Faith is a relationship. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is, its characteristics is a journey, a mindset. Faith is a spiritual force. Now, I like to talk about the spiritual force of faith. Calling things as though they, uh, as be not as though they were. The spiritual force. Angels are part of the spiritual force of faith. The power aspects are a part of the spiritual force of faith. But now you can't skip over the fact that faith is a relationship. Now look at this here. Genesis chapter 1. I mean uh, 17 verse number 1. It says, in, When Abraham was 90 years old, 90 years old and 9. So he's 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Verse number 2. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Verse 3. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying. Verse 4. As for me, behold my covenant, it uh, is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Verse number 5. Now pay attention to this. He says, neither shall thy name be any more or, or thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For, watch this, he says, for a father of many nations, I made thee. Now Abram doesn't have any children now more than he did when he was 75. He hasn't seen any manifestation other than one child that he got when he and Sarah decided to come up with their own plan. But God says, for a father of many nations, I made thee. As far as God is concerned, it was already done. But he changes his name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations, which institutes the concept of calling things that be not as though they were. 
so that every time that anybody came to Abraham, they had to say, Father of many nations, it's time for dinner. Father of many nations, we need you down here at the field. Father of many nations, we need you there. Father of many nations, it's time to go to bed. Father of many nations, every time he would hear Father of many nations. It is the concept of calling things as be not they were the spiritual force of faith. Can we agree on that? But did you notice how old Abraham was? He's 99. And I asked God the question, okay, now, if the spiritual force of faith is so important, why did you not introduce this to him at 75, 76, 77? Okay, 78, 87. Why 99? And we see, according to what the scriptures say, when you introduce the concept, the next thing we see is he walks into manifestation. Because there is the spiritual principle of calling things that be not as though they were. And the Lord began to deal with me in this area. He said, because I have to establish a relationship first. A lot of folks like to walk in power. They see a great ministry gift and they say, man, we won't be like that. I hear preachers all the time, and we believe God for thousands of dollars and all these kind of things. And I'm like, ooh, look at that. What does it come through? Did it start at year 25? Or did God do some things methodically through the last 25 years of his life? The things that God does on this thing called journey is to build a relationship first, I submit to you. Genesis chapter 12, he shows him that I'm going to promise you this great blessing in your life. And he fulfills every area except the child. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 17, he shows Abraham that he can protect him. Genesis chapter 13, he shows him that the prosperity that he promised, it manifests in his life. So he gets a little older. In Genesis chapter 14, he shows and illustrates that God can show victory for you in your life. That you can be victorious in battle. He goes through different steps and changes. Now turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 15, which is not in the slides. Genesis chapter 15. Now, I want you to notice something as we are talking about this area, these faith refreshers. This is important. Genesis chapter 15, watch this. In verse number one says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield. I am thy exceedingly great reward. He says, And Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this laser of Damascus. So he says, Lord, you're telling me to fear not. You are my shield. Don't you see the state of my current conditions? And this is what we look like with God sometimes. You telling me to walk by faith, to believe the evidence that you gave me, to stay in the position of hope and stay with the corresponding action, which is faithfulness. But I don't see nothing, God. But the reality is, Abraham, if he really assessed his life, did see some things in manifestation. You know, sometimes we, we overlook those small areas because we're looking for the big manifestation. We overlook the fact, like I just said a minute ago, that Abram did see himself prosperous. Abram did see himself protected. Abraham did see himself have these little areas of manifestation in his life that he could have hung his hat on. 
And God is admonishing him. He's, he's saying to him, don't you understand that I've already done certain things that I promise you? And so this one area that I've shown you, I want you to stay in faith. I am your shield. Do not enter into an area of fear. Verse number three says, and Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He says, this Eliezer of Damascus, my head servant, he's going to inherit everything that you've given me. Now notice what I just said. Eliezer of Damascus is going to inherit everything you have given me. And this is what we look like sometimes when we're talking to God. God, I'm not going to get all these things. You see what you've given me thus far. God's saying, don't you see what I've given you thus far? Because you're focusing on what you don't have and not seeing that I've already given you certain things already to show you that I am faithful to keep my promises. Now notice how God's response to him. He says, verse number four, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, that this shall not be thine heir, but the, he that shall come forth from, uh, from thy own bow shall be thine heir. Verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven. And this is what God will always do in your life when you start getting to this area of fear. He'll say, I want you to have a different view. I want you to come up here where I am. I'm going to show you something in the word. I'm going to give you the, the promises shown back to you. He says, come up and I want you to focus on heaven because you've been focusing too much on the circumstance you're currently in. He says, look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. He says, I want you to refocus and reimagine of your circumstances and reimagine it based on what I said. He said, so shall your seed be. Look up and see all these stars in the sky. Change what you've been looking at. There I say what we started with. Change what you've been meditating on. You've been meditating on defeat. And he says, I want you to change your focus and meditate on victory. Meditate on the vision I gave you. Meditate on the fact that I'm enough to do this thing. And then he said in verse number six, after God refocused him, he says, and he believed in the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Why do I point out Genesis chapter 15 and verses one through six? Because it precedes the covenant. The covenant that God cuts between Abraham and himself follows faith. The covenant does not precede it. The Bible says, and Abraham believed God. And God says, okay, because we have faith back in this proper seed, I'm going to give you more evidence. See, this is the issue that we have. A lot of times we want God to show us everything. Show us how this part goes here. Show me all the details. God says, when you get back in faith, I'll show you the next elevation point. I don't show you more than you need to know right now. You keep saying, I, but Lord, you showed me vision. Yeah, I know I showed you vision, but you got to walk through these steps. And you're not going to see the next step until you elevate in your area of faith. What am I doing with what I know? Do, what am I doing with what he last told me? Have I maximized in this step? 
Abram should have something to hang his hat on. God's did certain things in his life. And so he had a reason to believe God. And so he quickly, when God corrects him for getting to this area of fear, he says, no, you're right. You're right, Lord. I walk with you long enough that you're worthy of my trust. I submit to you. What you see is an illustration of relationship. Look over, if you will, for the sake of time. This is where we're going to close. Turn back, if you will, to John. You should know this because we're reading the book of John. John chapter 15. <laughs> Let's look back at John chapter 15. So I asked God the question, why is it the spiritual force of faith is not told to Abraham until year 99? You cut a covenant, you don't, because he doesn't say anything about, you know, I'm going to change your name and give a covenant here in chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to bless you. By the way, we're going to call you Abraham. Seems like we can knock this out at 76. He doesn't do this. He lets him go and build. And this is the reason why I believe that God gave me this. John chapter 15, look at this. This is Jesus speaking. We read this before. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done. What is that? The spiritual force of faith. We said the word abide means continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, stand and tarry. But he says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. I submit to you the reason why God doesn't talk about the spiritual force of faith until year 99 is because Abraham's heart needed to move to this position of abiding. And in order for your heart to be in a position of abiding, it has to be in a position of a current and accurate relationship with God. He's worthy of my trust. His word comes true in my life because God doesn't lie. His heart has to be set in the right position for the spiritual force to be able to work. Because when you call things that be not as though they were, it has to come from the abundance of your heart. Yeah, I'll do that. Matthew, let's look over to Mark chapter 11. I said that's the last scripture, but I, let's look at Mark chapter 11. When you're calling things that be not as though they were, it has to come from your heart, which has to be in the right location and in the right condition, which is the reason why we talked about that on Thursday nights, right? Mark 11 verse 20. 11 verse 23 he says for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea and knows the term and shall not doubt where in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saved shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith. therefore I say unto you what things soever ye desire when you pray believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And that's the thing that God said, faithfulness is the key to the spiritual force. Well, faithfulness comes from the abundance of the heart. Abraham wasn't fixed yet. So he had to go through 24 years of being fixed because what we see facilitating after this covenant is that he has an area where Abraham and Sarah say, well, God, you're taking too long. Why don't you go and get with Hagar and they created Ishmael. So his heart wasn't established yet. Perhaps that's the reason why the power hasn't been released in our lives yet. Because your heart's not fixed yet. Perhaps 
God's grace is so great in our lives that he hasn't turned up the power so that the stuff that you say that you are not really wanting to see in manifestation, you don't see yet because you haven't learned to control your mouth yet. You haven't learned to have authority yet. So since you haven't learned to have a proper authority yet, God says, I'm working on fixing your heart so that you can operate in the spiritual force, but it requires that you develop in this area of relationship with me first. That you believe that I'm worthy of your trust. You believe that I can do what I said I can do. I'm going to give you these five points and then we're going to stop. The strength of your faith or the strength of faith is a belief in character, if you will, comes from the root of relationship. The strength of faith, belief in character, comes from the root of relationship. You say, well, I believe God. Well, we're about to see because you should have hope, you should have evidence, and you should have corresponding actions, which is this area of faithfulness. And if I don't see that, then you really don't have a belief that God keeps his word yet. And so God says, I got to work on that area in your life. The power of faith, which is the belief in God's ability, is also rooted in your relationship with God. This is the reason why when you are up against the wall, you rather call somebody that you can naturally touch than go in God to pray in prayer first. Because you know they got the money in the account, so let me call them first. Because you don't really trust God's ability in your life. That's why you don't pray. That's why you don't ask God first. We like to sing, take it to the Lord in prayer. Yes, amen. But do you really? Because you really haven't become convinced in God's ability in your life. So God says, we got to work on this area of our relationship. Number three, watch this. Sin is a cancer to your relationship with God. And this is the reason why the devil wants to pull folks out into this area of sin. Because it's a cancer. It's something that moves you out of the position of faith. Why? Because sin results in guilt. Guilt produces shame becoming this area of doubt which manifests in powerlessness. Let me say that one more time. Sin results in guilt. Guilt produces shame. Shame becomes doubt. I'm not sure if the Lord heard me. Move some so I can see that you heard me. Why? Because you've been in an area of sin. Your confidence has changed. You don't believe him anymore because now you believe that the only thing that God sees is that sin that he said he forgave you of. But Lord, I'm so unworthy. I'm not, I'm so no good. He said, right, you move from the position of righteousness and therefore you move into this area of fear. Not a reverential fear. You're scared of me. You won't talk to me. And that manifests in this area of now I'm doubting, now I'm powerless. And so that's the reason why God says, I want you to keep the sin out of your life. Those little areas of sin, I want you to correct that because it's going to allow for your confidence to stay strong. Number four, faith has to be built on an authentic relationship. And we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 on, on Thursday night. Faith has to be built on an authentic relationship. We looked at the sons of Sceva as well, that they said, we adjure you. They're trying to cast out demons in the name of the Jesus that Paul spoke of. And that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're trying or they mastered the art of phony faith, where they want to act spiritual when the time is right, but who you really are shows up on Monday. Who you really are shows up in the booth in the back in the corner as to who you are and the lack of faith that you really have. 
And one of the things is what we see, particularly with the sons of Sceva, is that they might have been able to fool church folk, but they couldn't fool that devil. And some of us, that's exactly what's going on in our lives. You might be able to sound right, look good, all these kind of things. But when a devil shows up in your life, he knows the foolishness and the pretension that you really walk in. Number five, I want you to listen to this. I've said this all throughout this message. If you can't believe God for the ordinary, you can't believe God for the extraordinary. If you can't believe God for the ordinary, you cannot believe God for the extraordinary. If you're struggling to believe God for your daily bread, how can he get you to a position where you can believe him for these extraordinary things that does not pertain to your house? Why is it that God methodically takes us on this journey of building our relationship? Because he got to show you, first of all, Abraham, I'll show you I can take care of you personally. Now I'll show you that I can make you rich personally. Next thing I'll show you is I can take care of those people that are associated and attached to you. The next thing I'm going to show you is that the people that are associated and attached to you extend beyond the people that you physically can see. 25 years developing, 25 years Believe in God in ordinary areas so that God can position him for the extraordinary. What is this called? It's called building my relationship with God. No, this step that you're on right now is not the step you want to be on. But the step that you're on right now is good for you. The step that you're on right now, God says maximizing that step. The funds I put in your hands right now, he says, maximize every dollar that I put in your possession. I want you to show yourself faithful in this area of being a good steward of the things that I put in your hands right now. And that is what qualifies you for promotion. And until you maximize in this step, you cannot be promoted. And in fact, if you decide to go around me, if you decide to promote yourself, the thing that will happen is demotion and not promotion. And that's what's happening in so many people's lives. You said, no, God, you're taking too long. I'm going to promote myself. And God said, because you didn't follow my order, promotion won't happen in your life. In fact, demotion will happen in your life. And that was never my will, but my will was for you to take the steps and to build in this area of relationship so that the time comes when I say, I want you to take that thing up the mountain and sacrifice it to me, you'll do what I said to do. What is this relationship? To build you to the point where God, where you say, go, I'll go because you're worthy of my trust. What you say for me to do, I'll do because I know you're worthy of my trust. God, where you say live, I'll live because you're worthy of my trust. What is that? It's called relationship. God wants to build us in this area of relationship. Let's pray. Father God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we bless you and we praise you for this opportunity to have gotten in your word this morning. God, continue to teach us in this area of relationship. God, we want to trust you. We want to trust you. And so, Lord, we'll spend the time diligently seeking you. Seeking your face. Seeking your word. And we thank you, Lord, as, as you fortify these areas in our lives. We thank you for promotion by faith. 
Lord, as, as you show us how to maximize on this step, these areas, these, these places, these things that you've already put in our hands, we'll be just like Abram. And we'll say, Lord, we choose to believe. We'll look at the vision, but we'll look at what you've already done. And we'll look at the promises. And God, we thank you that we choose to believe. God, we thank you we walk by faith and not by sight. So we call ourselves prosperous. We thank you, Lord, that the vision is coming. But Lord, we thank you for manifestation of what you've already done. We give you praise. We give you glory. I'll say that. We thank you that we believe we've received the vision now. Before we see it. And all we're doing is walking out the steps. And the walk of the walking out of the steps is called walking into your destined place. And so, God, we give you praise for it. We give you glory. And we thank you, Lord, that the best is indeed yet to come. For we indeed walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Praise the Lord. It's giving time. Hallelujah. I know I gave you a lot back there in the back. And I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your your work and your efforts today. All is well. I knew I, I threw some curveballs this morning. All is well. Things are working quite well. Praise the Lord. We're getting better and better and better and better. And with our streaming, we're getting better and better and better in regards to our media. In fact, I mean, I want to I wanna continue to make an announcement for all those that follow us that even now we've been I received a, a indication, communication this past week that, that the Lord has opened the door for us to receive some additional media equipment. So we're continuing to grow and we're going to continue to do our assignment, which is a part of our assignment is to broadcast. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we broadcast. It's not because anybody that knows me, they know that, you know, because I'm seeking the attention. <laughs> In fact, I'm probably the most back back of the, the, uh, the group kind of guy that God has put in the front. But uh, we broadcast it because it's part of our assignment here at this church. So if, uh, I think on the slides, let's look at our giving scripture. I want you to notice this. We're talking about building in this area of relationship with God. Now notice how Paul says this. He's talking to the church of Philippi. He says, I, I don't really need that you give to me, essentially. But I take and I, or I receive rather from you because I pray that it's for your account. In other words, your giving and sowing into to my ministry, Paul is saying, is to your account for your benefit. And then he says something that's very interesting, verse number 19. He says, But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want you to notice though the word my. My God shall supply. Paul is saying this as someone that knows God. Relationship of faith. Paul had gotten to a point in his life that his confidence where God was concerned financially had grown. They said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I wonder, can you say that in your own life? 
my God. Now my God should supply all of my needs. Oh, I'm looking at this, this bank account, and it don't look too good, but my God should supply all of my needs. I'm looking at this gas tank, and I'm like, Lord, but my God shall supply all of my needs. My God is an illustration of relationship. I've gotten to the point where I believe my God can, and I believe that my God will. Three ways that you can get to the training center. One is by way of our cash app. Second way is by way of our uh, online giving. Last but definitely not least is by way of our P.O. Box. And of course you can get live in the house. All overseen by this ministry. And I want to have, take this opportunity to thank all that give by way of all three methods. We receive uh, all three. We got to go check the post office box sometime this week. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, But we thank God for uh, those that give by way of the cash app and those that give by way of our online giving as well. Uh, all, like I said before, are received into this ministry and we're grateful for the seeds that are sown to this ministry as we continue to do what God has called us to do here in the great city of Gastonia, North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte. Amen. So, again, let us set ourselves in agreement where our giving is concerned. Father God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we are prompt to do it cheerful givers. We thank you, Lord, that we are tithers. We thank you, Lord, we give our offerings to you. And we thank you because of that, according to your word, that the windows of heaven are open up over our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you rebuke the devourer for our sake. We thank you, Lord, that you abundantly supply us for every good work. We thank you, Lord, that our harvest is great. We thank you that our storehouses are great because you are faithful to your word. And so, Lord, we are just simply putting you in remembrance of your word as we are operating in the corresponding actions. We thank you that we believe that we receive in abundance now because we are faithful, cheerful, prompt to do it givers. And I just set myself in agreement with every seed that's sown into this ministry for an abundant harvest in their life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen.